Ephesians chapter, chapter 5 and verse 6. We are talking about let there be light. And today I'm going to speak to the church. So I want you to get ready. It's going to be a little bit, a little different than what we're used to this morning. Are you all right with that? Good. God wants His people to walk in the light. He is a loving Father who wants His children to know the light. And this morning we're going to read out of the book of Ephesians. And then I want you to keep your Bible open as I preach. And we're going to go to the fifth chapter of Galatians. But Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed to the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Father, we pray today as we come to your word, that you would anoint our ears to hear your word, that we would have a sensitivity of our heart to the voice of God this morning. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation as well as you would anoint me to preach your word, and that all that is said today would be pleasing to the Lord. I pray that every yoke of bondage, every fetter of darkness would be destroyed, as the word of God is preached this morning, and I ask that you would do this for the glory of your son, Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Walk in the light. This is the instruction of God for His church. I want you to think about these three things. Number one, God's will is for you to walk in the light. It is not God's opinion that you should walk in the light. It is His expressed will that His children should walk in the light. Because God wants what is best for His children. He wants His children to be able to enjoy His presence. And the Bible tells us this about God, that God is light and that God dwells in inapproachable light. God is light and He dwells in inapproachable light. And this morning, as we consider this first fact, I want you to just think about this. It is God's will for you to walk in the light. It is God's will for you as his son, his daughter, to forsake the darkness. I need somebody to say amen this morning. Number two, it is God's, it is the son's will or the son's provision that you can walk in the light. The father has desired and willed for you to walk in the light, but the son has made it possible for you to walk in the light because he has come as a light into the world. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who walks with me will no longer walk 
in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is making clear to us then that the uh, will of God is possible in our lives. Sometimes we think, I would like to do it God's way, but I can't. I don't have the ability to do it. No, friend, you have the provision of God to be able to walk in the light. I need you to say amen again. All right, now these are some some express facts in the Word of God that many people struggle with. Sometimes you think, I would stop uh, this habit if I could. I would live better if I could. I would change my temper if I could. I wouldn't uh, drink, smoke, or get drunk if I could. I would stop this if I could. I wouldn't beat my wife if I could. I would stop being a, a um, I, I don't want to say the word, but I would stop being a, a, an inconsiderate person in the home if I could, but I can't. This is just who I am. No, friend. Jesus Christ died on the cross in order to make it possible for you to walk in light, for you to walk in holiness. Listen, God didn't send His Son to the cross and annihilate Him on the cross, demonstrating and pouring out upon Christ His wrath so that you and I could continue to walk in darkness. No, He sent His Son to the cross as provision so that you and I could live a godly and holy life and walk in the light. Now, this morning, we're going to address some of this darkness that is existing in the church today. And so it's going to be a little different than what you're used to. I don't want you to get nervous, and I don't want you to get tense, all right? I just want you to sit on your father's lap this morning and listen to God tell you, baby, I don't want you to walk in the dark because I have made it possible for you to walk in the light. Are you listening? All right, number three, the Holy Spirit is the agent by which you and I can walk in the light. God the Father has willed that we would walk in light. That we would walk in holiness. Jesus has provided the ability for us to to be able to walk in the light. To walk in holiness. And the Holy Spirit is our help. He is the agent that comes to our life to help us do the will of God. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit a helper. In the Greek, that's the word parakletos. That that prefix para, like the word parachute. Parakletos means someone who comes next to you. To help you. The Holy Spirit is like that parachute you put on when you're about to jump out of an airplane. And it's real close and tight. But it is there to help you not crash into the ground. Alright, so the Holy Spirit has been given to you to walk with you. You're never going to walk alone. Somebody said, Pastor, you live alone? I said, no, I don't live alone. I live with the Holy Spirit. And you are always going to have an opportunity to feel alone. But I want you to know, you have not been left alone. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphan, but I will send you another comforter. I will send you a helper, someone to walk alongside of you and teach you how to walk in holiness. So say with me, Holy Spirit, teach me how to walk in the light. All right, now, if that's a sincere request this morning, God's going to answer your request. All right, now, let's look at what the Apostle Paul says here in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 6. Keep your Bible open. It's going to be a little Bible study, and then I'm going to preach at the end. All right, is that okay with you? All right, the church is in the house this morning. Say amen. amen. Verse 7, chapter 5 of Ephesians says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. That's the sons of disobedience. Listen to what verse 8 says. For you were formerly, what? Darkness. Listen, it doesn't say you were formerly in the dark. But it says you were formerly darkness. You and I, outside of Christ, are not just in the dark. We are 
darkness itself. Scary thought. When you leave a man or a woman without God, he will make all kinds of darkness. And Jesus is very, very uh, clear about the fact that the world loves the darkness. He said, I came into the world, but the world loved the darkness. And this morning we're reading the Apostle Paul telling us an express fact. We were darkness. Now, I want to thank God this morning for that little word, were. Because that means I was, past tense, used to be darkness. Now, you're looking at me very saintly this morning like you have been in church your whole life. You were born a Christian and you have been attending church your whole life. But I know better than that this morning. I know that some of you walked right next to the devil in the dark. And that, that you were living the kind of life that you were headed straight for hell without God. You were darkness. You weren't just hanging out in the shadows. You were the shadows. You were the darkness. But then the light came in to your soul. I said the light came into your soul. Jesus came into the heart. Jesus came into your mind. Jesus came into your speech. Jesus came into the way you live. And all of a sudden, goodbye darkness. I was darkness. I was a sinner. I was rejected. I was destitute. But now I am light. I am a son. I am a child of the living God. And I have the Holy, the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of me to make it possible for me to live God. Now, I am preaching this morning, but you have to hear this with your heart. What are you now? You're light. He didn't say you are in the light. He said you are light. That's, that means wherever you go, you're a light bulb. And you wonder why sometimes people resent you and why sometimes people think you, you think you're holier than thou and you think you're so righteous because you go to that Kingsway church over there and you think you're really something. But you know, it's none of that. It's just that when you walk into darkness and there's a light bulb just standing there facing people who've been used to the dark, it's a little bit intimidating because all of a sudden they say, there's something in that guy, there's something in that girl that there wasn't there before. Some of you just a few weeks ago, you were hanging out in some place and you were darkness. But then you, Jesus came into your life. And, and, and now you're trying to go back to that place and people are telling you, something's not right about you. Something's different about you. What, what are you on? What are you doing? Where have you been? You see, you have been changed. Your very nature has been changed. And now you are light. So what's the result of this? Jesus says, uh, Paul says, so walk as children of the light. Our walk, our Christian life, should reflect the fact that we are light, that we are sons and daughters of God. Now, I know the American church is not used to hearing this much anymore. We like to be told, you know, live however you want. God doesn't care. God does care. I said God does care. He is very concerned about how you live. He wants his children to walk in the light. Why? Because the light is security. When you walk in the light, you walk secure. When you walk in the dark, there's no security there. In fact, the darkness can be very deceptive. I read the story this week of a man. He was in a very dark cave, started feeling around, and he, he felt something warm and fuzzy, a big fur coat. He thought, oh, this is so, so comforting. And he just 
He just grabbed that thing and started holding on to it because it was comforting to him. He felt around a little more, and then he felt something cold and, and like metal, and it seemed to have a very sharp edge to it. And he walked away, and he said, you know what, I'm going to hang on to this to this warm and fuzzy thing because uh, it's very comforting to me. Well, when the light started to come in in the morning, he realized that he, had a, he was hugging a bear that was about to eat him for breakfast. And he, he didn't realize that while it was warm and fuzzy, it was going to destroy his life. He looks across the cave and there is a sword over there in the hand of a knight that is standing there. And it seemed very dark and cold last night. But right now, that knight with that sword seems like a very comforting thing. You see, the light can make you think that that thing that's going to eat you for lunch is actually your friend. That it's going to be comforting to you. The darkness will do that. But the light will expose the enemy. The light will expose the darkness and let you see when you need to run for your life. And we need to thank God every day that He lets the lights come on in our heart and in our life. When we're about to make a decision and the Holy Spirit says, check, don't do that. And you don't know why or what, but you walk away. And that's because God has shined some light in there and said, you need to follow me. Do it my way. So our instruction this morning is then, if you're children of light, walk in the light. Because the darkness has an attraction to it. The darkness will try to pull you in. And I want to go over a list of, uh, of the works of darkness this morning. And I want you to go through this list with me. So go to Galatians chapter 5. If you're in Ephesians, just go left one book and you will be there. If, if you, uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. I love the, the pages of, of Bibles turning in church. Aren't you glad we read the Bible in this church? Are you there? He says, verse 17, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for those they are in opposition to one another, so that they may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now, he gives us a list here, and he says, Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Say this with me. The deeds of the flesh are obvious. When darkness is at work, it's obvious. Right? When darkness is at work, it's obvious. It'll be more obvious when you're walking in the light than when you're walking in the dark. But he says, The deeds of the flesh are evident. And I want us to go through this list. And here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to go through this list one by one. And then I want you to be very prayerful as we do that. And I want this congregation to be very still. I know there's a lot of moving around. And that needs to stop because we're going to address some real hard issues this morning. Say, do it, Pastor. All right. You said it, so we're going to do this. Now, after we have gone through this list, as we go through this list, the Holy Spirit's going to bring some lights on. And you're going to say, you know what? That's me. I need to deal with that. You know what? That's me. I need to deal with that. When you hear that in your spirit, I want you to keep it in mind. Because we're going to pray a very specific prayer this morning for deliverance from darkness. Did you know you could cast the devil out yourself? You didn't say that like you believe it. You said it like, theoretically, yes, it's possible. Pastor, but I would rather if you did it. No, I want you to know that you can do this yourself. 
You know I love you. The first set here, he says, the works of darkness, the works of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. These three are what we would call sexual sins. And I want you to be very clear this morning as you listen to what God is saying to us. Because our city has a problem with sexual sin. You're not listening this morning. Our city has a problem. A bondage with sexual sin. There is a darkness that plagues our city and it is plaguing our nation. And the enemy is using the very fatal attraction of of sex to destroy the lives of many people, even people in this church this morning. So I'm standing as God's prophet in your midst to tell you that some of you this morning are dealing with sexual immorality, fornication, and adultery, and God wants you free. Because the light will will, uh, expose you to a, a, a place of security, a place of safety. Darkness will take you down a path that will lead you to destruction. And I want to just talk for a moment about how the enemy works. He is so sinister. He uses the very things that attract us that God created for good. And, and, and sex is good. It was created by God for marriage. But the enemy has taken it, twisted it, and turned it into a weapon against you. And when you take sex out of marriage, it's in the dark. When you, I say when you take sex out of marriage, you're in the dark. But, but we've been living together for 20 years. If you're not married, you're in the dark. Oh, pastor, you're going to get real serious this morning. But, but I love her. You're in the dark. But he loves me. You're in the dark. If it's outside of marriage, it's in the dark. And it's about time that we come to terms with this fact. God is very clear on this fact because he wants us to live in absolute freedom. It is God's will for you to live in total freedom from every kind of thing and especially freedom from from impurity in your heart and in your mind concerning sex. Pornography is the great vice of our time and it is so easy to access today that our young people are becoming victims of it at a very young age. I'm talking this morning to teenagers and and young people who have in, in your hand access to immorality, impurity, And it is destructive to your soul. It is a bondage to your soul. And like like the enemy works, he just works one strand at a time. Binding your mind, binding your soul. And someday, if you you don't find freedom, you're going to take that bondage into marriage and bring hurt and, and, and pain to that marriage because God intended sex for marriage and no other place. And when you take it outside of that, it is darkness. When you leave it in marriage, it's light. I thought I'd get an amen from the married folks this morning. <laughs> Pastor, this is awkward. It's more awkward for me than it is for you. But see, I don't want you to ever stand in front of God and say, my pastor didn't address that issue. (laughs) 
All right, so you said, okay, I don't have that problem. It's not my thing. If it is, Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to be free today. Not tomorrow, but today. But you say, okay, I don't have that problem, Pastor. Let's go to the next list. That's sexual sin. Look at the religious sin. Idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry and sorcery. These are religious sins. It's darkness. Idolatry has the appearance of godliness. The worshiping of an idol, the worshiping of a thing, the worshiping of a, of a person other than Christ, is. it seems like it's a good thing. You may idolize your husband or your wife. You know, most, most parents don't idolize their children, but you might. And you might idolize your job, or you might idolize your bank account. Anything that you put above God in your life is an idol that God wants to bring down in your life. Why? Because that idol is darkness to you. The Lord told Solomon, Solomon was, was the, the heir of the throne of the, king, of the kingdom of Israel, David's son. He said, I don't want you to marry foreign women. Not because God is against interracial marriage. He didn't want him to marry foreign women because he said, when you marry those foreign women, they're going to bring their idols with them. And they will turn your heart Toward those idols. I want you to to watch and observe this pattern. Because it's happening to some of you. If you get involved in a relationship with somebody that's not a believer. You get involved in a relationship with someone that is is a a server of another God. That does not fear the God of Israel. The God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If they don't fear Jesus, friend. They will bring their wickedness and darkness into your life. And love will blind you to the fact that you cannot see that you are being misled. And that, that grizzly bear may be a beautiful woman instead of a grizzly bear. But if she is an idol worshiper, she will take your heart away from God. If he is not fearing God, listen ladies, young ladies, if that man doesn't fear God enough to be in his presence and seek his presence, don't get anywhere near him. Because he will cause you to serve other gods. He will cause you to serve things that are not God. Now there's another word here. It's the word sorcery. You say, Pastor, I am clean. I'm not a witch. I don't practice witchcraft. And I don't play with Ouija boards. But let me just explain. There are three types of sorcery that we're talking about here. Number one, the kind you just described in your, in your mind. I don't do any witchcraft. I don't... I don't um, Play with the occult. It's not not my problem. All right, maybe that's true. I hope it's true. It better be true for our church. Okay, I don't want you to visit no curanderos this week. You give your money to God, all right? But there are two other kinds of witchcraft. One is manipulation. Manipulation is witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Witchcraft is getting somebody else to do what you want them to do against their will. Manipulation is witchcraft. When you are in, involved in a relationship where there is manipulation going on, there is witchcraft going on, and it's darkness. If you've ever been manipulated, you know how dark it feels. And when you say, you know what, if you don't do it my way, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to give you the silent treatment. That's not, that's not how you solve a problem. That's witchcraft. 
And God is displeased with it because it's darkness. It got real quiet in here. I think I'm getting closer to where you live now. (laughs) You have to do it my way or else. Some men manipulate with beatings. Some women manipulate with with, uh, withholding their body from their husband. And there are all kinds of things that happen in the church, in the houses and homes of, godly, uh, of, of God-fearing people who are manipulating one another and they are not pleasing to God. And God is sitting on His lap today to tell you, I want this darkness out of your life. Because instead of manipulation, you need communication. Instead of trying to get your will by force, you need to submit your will to the will of God. And when you have submitted your will to the will of God, you can, you can be satisfied in knowing that even if that person doesn't do what you want, you do what God wants in your life. You honor God, obey God, and put aside this deed of darkness. There's one more form of sorcery, and this one is not very commonly known, but Drug use, when you use drugs for a high, it is witchcraft. The word used for sorcery in this text, if you go to the original Greek, is the word pharmakia, from which we get the word pharmacy. Now listen, in the ancient world, they understood that when you use drugs for a high, you weren't just getting a chemical reaction in your brain, you were actually inviting evil spirits into your life. Actually inviting demonic spirits into your life. And I have been in homes where people have said to me, Pastor, we can't sleep. We, uh, there, you know, things are happening in our home that make us uh, feel fearful. There's always a strange presence there. And I'll go there and I'll, it'll almost always be a home where, where evil spirits have been invited through the use of drugs. Is anybody in the house this morning? Amen. So parents... Let me tell you this, we have a problem in this city with drugs. Sex and drugs are Beaver's problem. It's destroying lives and families. And you need to stand at the door of your house and make sure that that demon doesn't come into your life. That that demonic darkness doesn't come into your life. You need to stand as a hedge in front of your family and your children and protect them, guard them. Because there is an evil around that is trying to destroy and warp their mind. And drug use is the form of witchcraft that the enemy is using to come into homes subtly and bring despair and destruction. It's not a game, it's not a trick, it's not a trip either. It is sin before God, and He wants you to walk in the light. All right, let's go to the next set. You say, Pastor, I'm so far so good. These are not my problems. The next list says, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions. These are emotional sins. Ever committed an emotional sin? Every day, Pastor. <laughs> emotional sins. These are sins that just that that are darkness that comes from within us. There's a nature of darkness, a nature of sin that you and I were born with, and it is being redeemed by Christ, being dealt with by Christ. But these sins occur. Listen, enmities. Are you a quarrelsome person? You like to pick fights? 
If you do, you're walking in darkness. Just like to pick and pick and pick. You need to stop picking. Because enmity and strife is a work of darkness. And then he says, another part of this is jealousy, which we dealt with last week. You know that jealousy is a spirit that leads to murder. I remember one day they, I was at a youth camp. They said to me, Brother Isaac, could you pray for this young lady? She's demon-possessed. They brought her to me. She didn't look demon-possessed. Because, you know, in America, demon-possessed people wear ties and, and nice dresses. And say amen. I said, all right. So she didn't look demon-possessed. I said, are you demon-possessed? She says, I don't think so. I said, all right. I started to pray in the Spirit. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, call out jealousy. I said, do you have a jealous spirit? And a man's voice came out of that little girl. I said, no more discernment needed. (laughs) She is demon-possessed. And that spirit will lead to worse sin. It always leads to, to worse sin. It is a, an emotional problem that's not being surrendered to God. And it creates bitterness and it creates every kind of reproach in your heart and it will lead you further and further and further into darkness. And then he says that there are outbursts of anger. Are you an angry person? You know what the Bible says? Be angry and sin not. And then he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Sometimes it happens, right? We get angry. But he says, when you get angry, don't sin. Don't cuss out the guy driving in front of you. You get angry, don't lose, don't lose control. But if you do get angry, deal with it before sunset. What is God saying to us there? He's saying, if you will deal with anger before sunset, I will take it out of your life. And I will, I will, I will redeem whatever trouble you cause with that anger. I'll take it out of your life. But if you let it over to the next day, it's going to become your problem. And many of you are dealing with anger that's 20 years old. 10 years old. Five months old. You need to let it go. You need to give it to God, surrender to God, and when you do that, you're going to experience freedom. But this is a work of darkness that the enemy wants to to bring you into, into, into darkness. Some of you haven't forgiven. Somebody that angered you. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they did something terrible to you. You haven't forgiven. You haven't let it go. And that is becoming bondage and darkness to your soul. He said, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. I had one lady say to me, pastor, if I forgive my husband who committed adultery, I won't have anything left. Her unforgiveness had become her friend, her companion. Let me tell you this. I walk with God long enough to know there are better companions than bitterness and rejection and fear and loneliness and despair. There is the Holy Spirit of God, the helper of the church. He is a far better companion than all of that, and he wants you to be free. To walk in total and complete light. Factions. Clicks. You know the church is prone to clicks. Me and me and my group. We're better than everybody else. Not at Kingsway. 
We don't, we don't have cliques around here. And, and if we do, we bust them up. Because God's people are one people. I said God's people are one people. I, I'm fascinated sometimes how God does things in this church. Here I am, a, con- a country boy, went to, went to seminary, did, did my thing, never walked on the dark side uh, for, for any, any extended period of time. And then God brings people in this church who have a past, nothing like mine. And I think, God, how have you brought us together? How have you brought us together? There, there are people sitting in this church right now. One was the drug dealer and the other was the one doing the drugs. And now they're both sitting in the same church, free from drugs. I didn't hear an amen from somebody. Only Jesus Christ can do that. What is it brought us together? When we came into the light, the blood of Jesus covered every difference and made us one body with one Lord and one master and we are one church. Somebody give God praise for that. Are you jotting these down? In your mind, in your spirit. Let God deal with this. The next one is envy. You know, we suffer in America from a lack of contentment. We have this tendency to compare, keeping up with the Joneses. They got a new car. I got to get a new car. <laughs> Honey, we have a flat. I need a new car. <laughs> That's how we do things. <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. <laughs> Always wanting more. And this is one of the ways the enemy has managed to bring darkness into Christmas is that he has made it about getting stuff. I thank God when I was a young, a young man, he freed me from that. I don't know, one Christmas I just woke up and realized it's not about getting. It's not about what I can get. There's nothing anybody can put in a brown box and wrap with paper that can make me whole, that can make me happy. That can bring me joy. There is nothing you can put in a package that can restore your soul. Only God can do that. And he already did that when he gave us Jesus. So if you've already received Jesus, it's not about getting. Now it's about giving. Giving, giving, and giving. That generosity of spirit. And so we need to deal with our culture's problem of always wanting more. Envying more like a rake. Just pulling and pulling. And eventually you you end up bound to stuff. Stuff can't set you free. Stuff can't make you happy. People can't make you happy. They might bring some happiness into your life, but they cannot make you happy. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Are there any happy people in here this morning? Celebrate Jesus for a moment then. I'm talking about you. He's made me glad. He's brought joy into my spirit. Next list. Drunkenness. No, Pastor, I'm not a drunk. I just drink moderately. I get high occasionally. It's darkness. Alcohol's never done one good thing for you. I wish there were some amens in the church. 
I said, alcohol has never done one good thing for you. And if you play around with those things that will lead you to darkness, they will take you directly into darkness. God says, I want my people free from that. I don't want you bound to any substance. It's going to change the way you think. Carousing. We could call that partying. And things like as these. Some of you just have a party in you all the time. You crave the party life. The dark life. God's working it out of you, isn't he? There's a different party now. There is no, there is no celebration like the presence of God. There is no party like being in God's presence. And let me tell you, friend, when you find your prayer closet and God shows up, you don't need anybody else there to party with. You've got all the party you could want when God is present. Well, pastor, you're just a boring preacher. No, it doesn't have a life. No, friend, I have a great life. Because I walk with God. And he walks with me. And there's joy in him. And I want to tell you today that there are things that can lead you astray. And as your shepherd, it's my job to stand and tell you, don't go that way. He says, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you children of light? Yes. They walk in the light. I'm going to ask Brother Josh to come, please. And we're going to have a moment for prayer. But this altar call, you're going to sit right where you are. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart. The Bible talks about a man named Bartimaeus. He was blind. But Bartimaeus, though blind, had clearer vision than the people around him. Because he knew that Jesus could make a difference in his life. The Bible says Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming through Jericho. You know, faith comes by hearing. This morning you have heard that God wants you free. He wants you whole. And when you hear that, you need to hear with faith. Yes, God wants me free. Believe that about you. Not just your neighbor. God doesn't just love your neighbor. He loved you. God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. Pay the provision price for the deliverance of every soul from bondage. And so Bartimaeus, when he heard that, he believed and he realized, I have an opportunity right now. I told you Wednesday, God's giving us divine opportunities. Don't ever miss one. Today you took a divine opportunity. You came to the house of God. Bartimaeus said, this is my chance, my opportunity. And he realized this too. I may not get another one. 
I may not have another chance. So I need to take advantage. I need to seize this opportunity. And he began to yell like a Pentecostal. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was blind. And he believed that Jesus could make a difference. And friend, the works of darkness are blindness. But I I want you to just believe in your heart. God can make the difference in your life. Notice his prayer. Have mercy on me. That's all God wants to hear from you this morning. Jesus, have mercy on me. You will reach out to him. He is rich in mercy and abounding in loving kindness. No matter how deep the sin and no matter how great the scar that is in your life. Jesus is deeper than that sin. He is greater than that scar. And his mercy will reach you where you are. Hallelujah. Thank God for his mercy. Our God is not a cold, incompassionate deity far away. No, he is God here and present. And he he is like a father drawing out to you, calling to you. If you will say, have mercy on me, he won't turn you away. The Bible said the crowd told Bartimaeus, be quiet, be quiet. We want to hear what he's got to say. But nothing could stop him. That moment, he had an opportunity. He wasn't about to let it pass. Jesus Have mercy upon me. Jesus is passing by. The Bible said he heard Bartimaeus and he stopped. I wonder if there's anybody in here who has enough faith to get God to stop and say, What's that? You're calling on me? Because the Bible says, Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh God, stop by Beville this morning. Stop by Kingsway Church. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your visitation. He stopped and he said, call him over here. And they went and told Bartimaeus, come on, come on. Now he was a beggar on the side of the road, but he knew this was opportunity time. And he called out to Jesus. And they said, Jesus is calling you, Bartimaeus. I love the scripture it says, and he threw his cup. The only reason he was a beggar was because he was blind. But the moment he knew Jesus is calling me, he knew my blindness is over. He got rid of that cup. I'm talking to some people today. You're about to throw away that joint. You're about to throw away that cup. You're about to throw away that security blanket. And you have realized there is freedom in Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise in this house. If Jesus is calling you, it's because Jesus has a plan for you. He threw that cup away. Jesus said, what do you want? What do you want me to do to you? He said, I want to have my sight back. I believe there's somebody in here today that says, Pastor, I want to have my sight back. I want to walk in the light. I want to see what God sees. I want to see what God has planned for my life. I want to walk in the plain reality of who Jesus is, friend. Today is your day. Don't miss your opportunity. Let mercy reach you where you are.